Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning together Chukas Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Parshas Chukas. Our Aliyah is only seven psukim long. It runs from Perek Chof, Posuk Zion to Posuk Yud Gimel. And nonetheless, it is on a very important topic, and that is the idea of Moshe hitting the rock and the punishment that follows thereafter. A basic summary of the Aliyah is that Hashem tells Moshe to now take his staff, his mate, and go to speak to the rock in order to provide water for their people and their animals. Remember at this point in time, the Be'er Miriam, the well of Miriam has disappeared as she passed away. Moshe now needs to find another way to handle things. Moshe takes the staff from in front of Hashem. As he's commanded, he goes and gathers everybody in front of the rock and he turns to them and says, Shimon HaMorim, listen to me, O rebels. Do you think I can really get uh, water out of this, from this rock? And he hits the rock twice. Out comes the water. Everybody is able to drink. At which point, Hana Hashem now turns to Moshe and Aaron and says, Because you do not believe me, like to bring Kiddush Hashem in front of Israel, you will not be able to enter into the land. And this place is known now as Meimi River. Hema Meimi River, the waters of fighting the place where Israel contested Hashem and Hashem was nonetheless sanctified there. Very enigmatic Aliyah altogether. Just one basic diok, which is fascinating, is the end of the Aliyah. It's, uh, the description is, Hema, these are Meme River, the waters of fighting. It's almost as if this is being described as something we know about already. Rashi points out that, yes, in Egypt, the astrologers of Pharaoh had said the savior of the Jews will find his downfall through water because this is referring to what end, ended up happening at the Meme River where Moshe Rabbeinu's downfall was Meme River. And Paro misinterpreted that, and that's why he tried to, to drown all the Jewish sons being born, the Hebrew sons being born in the land of Egypt, um, to, to try to bring his downfall earlier using this image in the future. Now, the most basic question in this earlier is, what was the sin of Moshe and Aaron? After all, they did bring the water out. Why are they being criticized for doing what Hashem said? So, Arachim HaKadosh brings down, 10 different suggestions and he adds his own one later on there there are nu- numerous other suggestions in fact the Shemish Shmuel says he doesn't want to make another suggestion because he doesn't want to add sins to the, the, the desk of Moshe and Aaron nonetheless the suggestions that the Orachim summarizes are the following and the Rashi says because he hit the rock and he did not speak to the rock the Ibn Ezra says a number of suggestions. He's, he suggests that he needed to, the fact that he lost focus on the first hitting and needed to hit it twice. The Ibn Ezra says very similarly as well that, he, that speaking meant hitting it once. But while the fact that he needed to hit twice disagreed with Akkadosh Baruch Hu. Um, the Ibn Ezra also suggests they didn't sing Shira afterwards. They didn't sing the song afterwards, which is what we are going to see in the sixth aliyah of Pasha's Chukas. Um, the Kiddush Hashem would have come afterwards, not during the actual course of the action. Fifth suggestion, which is on the Ibn Ezra as well, is that he accuses Israel of being rebels. He accused the nation of Israel. Now, were they rebelling? Yes, they were. But to go out and say, you rebels, Shimu no Hamarim, is a very serious accusation, and Moshe Rabbeinu should have turned it down when relating to them. The Rambam says in Shimon Prakim that he got angry. Uh, that was his son. The seventh reason is Rabbeinu Hananel and the Ramban, who suggested that, um, that 
when he worded it, he says, implying that he and Aaron were instrumental in bringing out the water when in fact it was Hashem, so they should have refocused on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Ram HaKohen, is he quoting as the eighth reason, is because he presented it as a question. Can we really bring out water? Now the answer is, it was rhetorical. Yes, of course he would, but he already planted in their heads the question as to whether God was capable or not, which was a bad question to raise. Rav Yosef Alba in the Sefer Ekorim explains the ninth reason why Moshe and Aaron and didn't, uh, they should have solved the problem themselves. Meaning, there was a problem here. People didn't have water. So go solve the problem. Work out the water. Why are you turning to Hashem? Work out the solution. They should have been looking for solutions. And finally, um, the last suggestion is, 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 is that, uh, that the nation of um, Israel were digging around for water and they presented all these rocks in front of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu did not want them to, to have this as a solution for the um, for the water, and he threw down his stick. When he threw down his stick and his staff, that's when the water came out. This was a circuitous route. A lot of different suggestions. One perspective, which I think is very worthwhile noting, is that speaking to the rock and hitting the rock are actually two things which Hashem did command. If you go back to Parshas B'Shalach, in Parshas B'Shalach, Hashem did tell Moshe to hit the rock. Here in Parshas Chukas, Hashem tells Moshe not to hit the rock, but to speak to the rock. And Moshe Rabbeinu is hitting the rock, as Rashi points out, was in fact the sin which not, did not allow him into the land of Israel. Why is that so serious? Why is hitting appropriate in Beshalach and is not appropriate in Pasha Sukkas? And the answer is, I once heard from a, from a very fascinating individual, Yonah Skler, who made the following observation. At the beginning of the desert experience, which was in Parshas Beshalach, as they left the Yamsuf and entered into the Midbar, that was when uh, Make, the idea of Hako'a, was appropriate. When they were leaving the desert, which is the in Parshas Chukas, 40 years later, then Ma'amar, speaking, is appropriate. In fact, these are two different modalities through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu interacts with the world. So as you'll notice, there are 10 Ma'amaras that the world is created with. Hashem had 10 utterances, 10 various checkpoints in creation where the world expanded um, based on Hashem's word. If you count the, the Bereshus Perak Aleph, you'll see the word Vayomerik nine times. And the first one is Bereshus, the context of creation. Ten Ma'amoras Hashem utters and uh, he, he is expressing himself. Essentially, every time Hashem makes an utterance, his word and his reality is being cloaked in a veil of this world. And in order to be able to see godliness in that reality, in that scientific historical reality, one has to look through the lattice work to work backwards to see the word of Hashem hidden in the actual fabric and the algorithms of this world. However, another way Hashem really relates to this world is through Makos. And at times humanity becomes so fickle, so, so unable to see godliness in the science, in the actual terra firma around us, in the celestial um, beings around us, therefore but, uh, the celestial bodies around us, Hashem needs to make it more explicit and he uses the form of Mako, which is why there are ten Makos in Mitzrayim. When Ben Israel left Mitzrayim, they were only capable of seeing Hashem through a Mako, where Hashem strips away the reality. In fact, the Maral says the ten plagues are stripping away the ten Ma'amoros of creation. So Hashem needed to show them, look, I'm here, it's clear, I'm going to break reality. After the experience of, of Midbar, which actually is the word Midbar, of speaking, HaKadosh Baruch is hoping that they're going to enter in the land of Israel where they no longer need miracles, they don't need nature to be broken, but rather for Hashem to be seen through nature metaphorically. So Hashem is saying to Moshe, speak to the rock, allow my voice to be emanate, that you see me through nature, not breaking nature. When Moshe Rabbeinu does not understand this and thinks that the people need to still see hitting, still need to be in the mode of Makkah, that means to say Moshe Rabbeinu is a leader who's able to live and bring about the exodus, 
but not necessarily entering the land because entering the land requires being able to see our Kodesh Baruch Hu, believe in a people who can see our Kodesh Baruch Hu, not through Hakar, but through Ma'amar. So this transition is very critical in understanding the next moment, which is why Moshe Rabbeinu is not being allowed into the land of Israel is not a punishment, but a consequence of the perspective he has of the people he is leading. With this, we close. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.